Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is Marnie Swedberg, and I'm so excited to have you with me this afternoon and always. So excited to see our switchboard so full, and you guys, I just love it that you come out every Thursday for these training programs. And our original guest today, Maria Gracia, she could not be here today, and so I'm stepping in with what I'm calling my 12 top, my top 12 mantras for miracle making. And basically, we're going to talk about what we can do to change our thinking into the kind of thinking that allows our lives to be supernatural, to be miraculous. And we're going to spend the whole hour talking about that, and Maria is going to be with us um, at a later date. So thanks for being here. And I hope that you have a piece of paper and a pen or a notepad open on your computer or something to take notes because I'm going to give you a whole bunch of stuff here that you can apply right now, right today, and on throughout the year and throughout your life. First of all, I want to just take you and have you imagine yourself getting onto a merry-go-round because that's kind of what thoughts do to us sometimes. The more intense the thought, the more likely it is that it will feel like a merry-go-round once we get it going. So you know how when you get on a merry-go-round to begin with, it's going very slow and you have to actually work to make it go. But then once you're on it for a little bit and there's usually somebody out there pushing, right? And after you're on it for a little bit, it's going really too fast where you wouldn't dare to jump off. If you jumped off, you would get skinned up. You would get hurt. And so you just hang on for dear life. And if it goes too long, you start to feel sick, don't you, and kind of dizzy and nauseous. And then finally at the end, you can get off the merry-go-round. Thoughts tend to be like merry-go-rounds. And mantras are definitely merry-go-round types of thoughts. Now, a mantra can be good or a mantra can be bad. But the problem is that we're usually not even aware that we've got these repeating, repeating, repeating thoughts going through our heads. And they come along anytime we have kind of a major emotion. Now, you can define major any way you want, but you'll be able to identify that you have a mantra going when you hear yourself saying things like, this is awful, this is terrible, this is, this, this is terrible, this is awful, and you keep repeating the same thing over and over again. Or in a similar situation, but exactly the opposite way, you may find yourself having received an award or uh, 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 some kind of accolade, and you may be going, I'm so great, I'm so good, I deserve this. Or conversely, you might be saying, I'm awful, I don't deserve this, they're giving it to me, they should give it to somebody else. You have these things, these sayings that are going around in your head not aware of that are there. And sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. But what we're going to talk about today are my top 12 favorite miracle-producing mantras, the ones that I use all the time. I use more than these, but these are my top 12. I'm going to share them with you. And this whole program is based on a verse in the Bible from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, which says that we are supposed to demolish every mental argument and every thought that is opposed to God's thoughts, that we're supposed to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So what I'm going to teach you here to do today is to recognize when you are getting on a merry-go-round. Usually that's pretty uh, unconscious for us. We don't recognize that we're getting on one. And pretty soon our thoughts are taking us 
way fast, way dangerous, and we are too scared to jump off. We don't know how to let go of that thought. So we're going to learn today how to apply these mantras in times when you don't know what else to think or when you have a bad thought process going so that you can slow down that bad thought process, turn the mirror, go around the other way, and get it going in the direction you want, at which point it becomes more like a roller coaster ride. That's what we're truly on. If you are walking with Christ, you are on a roller coaster ride. You are safe. You are buckled in. You don't have to worry about anything, but it's going to feel pretty wild and crazy at times. You're going to have high and low emotions. You're going to have things that shock you and scare you and things that delight and thrill you, but you're okay. The whole time you're okay. So let's get off the merry-go-round and onto the roller coaster life with God. Okay, the first one, the very first one I want to give you today. And these aren't necessarily in my favorite order, although I did have an easy time to pick which one I wanted to give you first. So the first one is this. Everything that comes into my life, Satan wants to use to destroy me. And everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. I'm going to say that again, and then I'll repeat it one more time before we go to the next mantra, okay? Number one, everything that comes into my life, Satan wants to use to destroy me. And everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. Now, you might be saying, wow, that's more than I was thinking. I was thinking of a, hmm, <laughs> a Jesus or something. But actually, these phrases, if you can memorize these phrases, and I usually take about a year. Sometimes I can go faster, six months or something, to incorporate a new one into my life. I post it everywhere. I post it on my computer screen. I post it on my mirror. I post it in the kitchen. I post it on the dash of my car. And I, I see it all the time, and I'm reminded about this particular mental process, mental thought that I am going to learn, that I'm going to use all the time. So what happens is when I have anything good or anything especially bad come into my life, I can kick right into this mantra and say, everything that comes into my life, Satan wants to use to destroy me, and everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. So no matter what I'm facing, no matter how terrifying no matter how awful it seems at the moment no matter how uncertain i feel about it i can know for sure that it can turn out bad or it can turn out good if i want to take my thoughts down to the very depth i'm going to say really as maybe in your face as i can the very depths of hell and i'm going to lose all faith and i'm not going to have to god and i'm just going to say this is awful this is terrible nothing good could ever come out of this then at that moment i'm really partnering with the enemy in my thoughts, and I'm not giving God the opportunity to heal or free me or bless me there. But if I choose in that moment, same scenario, but I choose a different way. I say, you know, God is God. This is happening. I'm just going to look and see what he's going to do. What are you going to choose? So we've got some examples. You know, Jesus on the cross, he was being crucified by people that obviously knew that they had put him on the cross, right? But he looked down at them and he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Now, what they were really doing was they were really fulfilling prophecies that said that Jesus had to die in that way. What he was saying is they have not a clue that the pain that they're inflicting on me right now is going to result in something so amazing and awesome. They don't have a clue that the person that they're nailing to the tree right now is really the God of the universe. They would never do it if they knew that. But they didn't know. And they did those things to hurt him. And he in that moment was able to say, this monster, basically, everything that comes into my life, Satan wants you to, you to destroy me. I mean, he was on a cross. He was dying. Satan intended to use that to kill him for good, right? But then there's the flip side of that. Everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. 
he chose the God wants to use for my good side. Another one in the Bible that we see is Joseph, of course, because he was in prison uh, for all those years. His brothers sold him into slavery. He was in prison. And then when he got over to Egypt and his brothers finally came, if you know the story, his brothers finally came, and he said to them, what you intended for good, for evil, God intended for good. So he learned that lesson, and that's a lesson that we need to learn. The sooner you learn this lesson, the better it will be for you your whole life. So the, the first mantra to learn is, everything that comes into my life, Satan wants to use to destroy me, but everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. That's number one. Number two, there is time to do everything God wants me to do. I suppose this is probably the mantra I'm most famous for because people are always asking me how I get everything done and I always say this line. There is time to do everything God wants me to do. Then I follow it up with these lines. Number one, there's not time to do everything. There is not time to do everything good. There's not time to do everything that everybody else wants me to do. And there's not even time to do everything that I want to do. But if God is God, and if he's not a terrible time manager, but he's awesome like he is, then we would say that there is absolutely time to do everything that God wants me to do. So I love thinking about the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, her aunt, who both ended up to be pregnant at the same time. And the timing was perfect. But if you think about it, Mary was pregnant way too soon. She was just a young girl. She was engaged but not yet married. That was too soon. Elizabeth was pregnant too late. She was past the age of having children, so she was pregnant too late. But both of them were pregnant at the exact same time because it was when you're going through your day and you're thinking there isn't time to do this, there isn't time to do that, I don't have time to do everything I'm supposed to do. You have to stop and you have to say, okay, what does God want me to do? Because there absolutely is time to do everything God wants me to do. And if there's not enough time, then either I'm doing the wrong things or God's going to have me shift something later. And there's a whole at Marty.com one of the free gifts is the time management seminar over there, and you can ask for that on almost every page. There's a gift box on the left. You can ask for that. It comes with the free gift. But in there, I go way into details about how to let God orchestrate your time. And it's so important to memorize this mantra and to say it. Anytime you feel stressed, anytime you feel rushed, anytime you feel like there's not time, you just say there is time to do everything God wants me to do. Okay, number three. Love this one. Always look up more than you look around. This is so important. And I often will say this to people who are in an extremely stressful or um, difficult period of life. I'll say, remember to look up more than you look around. So let's talk about what that really means. First of all, I have an analogy using the dolphin that you maybe have heard me share before, but I want to share it here again in case you haven't heard it or just to remind you that we are earth dwellers, but we are prayer breathers, okay? So we live on earth, but we don't breathe. We breathe oxygen to keep our bodies going, but we breathe prayer to keep our spirits and our souls alive. And dolphins are water dwellers, but air breathers, okay? So they live underwater, but they don't breathe water like all the other fish. They, They breathe air. They have to come up every few minutes, less than five minutes. They have to come every few minutes. They have to go up to the top of the surface and get air and then they can go back down and keep going with their life well that's exactly what the bible talks about with ceasing it doesn't mean that you have to be praying constantly always a prayer always a prayer always a prayer but it means that every few minutes 
every couple minutes, every time you feel like you need some air, every time you feel stress rising, anxiety rising, any kind of emotion rising, you just go to the surface of the earth through prayer and you break into the heavenly realm. It says in Ephesians too that we are actually seated in the heavenlies with Jesus. And we need to consciously be aware of that, consciously grab that and hold on to that and move into his presence every few minutes. So look up more than you look around is a mantra that I say to myself and that I say to others a lot because we forget about that. We forget that we are just really visitors here on this earth. This is not really our home. Just like a dolphin, the water is not really its home. It's really the air. (laughs) That's what it breathes. It's happiest in the air, and we can see how it jumps. And we are happiest when we're sitting in the heavenlies with Christ in our conscious awareness. Now, we are always there in our spirit if we've trusted Jesus as our Savior, that what he did on the cross was done for us, then we are always there in our spirit. But we have to get our conscious mind there, and that takes a little effort. So look up more than we look around. I have a story about the day that my dad, who's now in heaven, but many years ago he was in the hospital and he was in a critical condition. They didn't know if he was going to live. I was 365 miles away, and I couldn't get there. And we were just waiting to hear, waiting for the news and didn't know which way it was going to go. And I remember I was just so upset. I was just very anxious and worried and traumatized by the thought of my dad possibly not living through the day and possibly not living through the hour. And I remember I was talking to God about it, but I was talking about it to him with a lot of fear and and a lot of worry instead of uh, full of faith. And I had, as I was speaking to him, I had this vision of him joining me in my thoughts. And I could see God in my mind's eye. I could see him pacing back and forth across heaven, wringing his hands, worried sick about my dad. And, And I burst out laughing and I realized, of course he's not worrying about dad. God, you are fine. You're at peace. You already know the outcome. You know that's fine either way. Please give me some of your peace. And really, you guys, that's what we have to do when we are in any kind of a traumatic situation at all. We need to look up instead of just looking around. And of course, when we when I say look around, it's, it's that tendency that we have to only look at the circumstances that we can see with our visual eyes, with our physical eyes. But remember that faith is something you cannot see. Faith is always invisible. If it's visible, you don't need faith. (laughs) So faith is always going to be the invisible thing, and we have to remember to look up more than we look around. I wrote a song uh, several years ago called I Need You, and it starts with the words confusion and chaos, futile plans, God sits in heaven and laughs. Now, he's not laughing at your hardship at all. But any time that we make a plan that we have an approach to a problem that excludes him, he has no he has no recourse except to just you know I, I just envision him leaning back in his throne chair and just shaking his head no like what are you doing like why are you doing that I'm right here I'm I'm ready and able to help and to come alongside of you in this situation and you're letting me do that. When we say look up more than you look around, the other thing I want you to remember is how an airplane will always be able to break through the clouds at some point. Even if the cloud cover is very thick, at some point the airplane breaks through the clouds and what's on the other side of the clouds? Not more clouds, sun. There's always sun on the other side of the clouds and you have to remember that God is always there no matter how black and how dense those clouds feel to you. God is always there. 
So look up more than you look around. Breathe the air of prayer and trust God for everything you need in your life. We're going to come right back and talk about the final nine of my favorite Deucing Mantras. For your life, for your year, we'll be right back. The fastest and easiest way to find out which major women's events are coming to your area is to visit www.womensevents.info. That's womensevents.info. It's the only directory of its kind, and it features all of the major events like Women of Faith, Beth Moore, E-Conference Women, and so many others. It's free to search, and you can find it all at womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie, and we are talking today about my favorite 12 uh, miracle-producing mantras. And I really wondered whether I should use the word mantra or not because um, a lot of people associate a mantra with, like, Buddhism or or different um, maybe religions like that. But a mantra is simply something that we repeat over and over, and it's oftentimes used in prayer. And I think the Bible probably uses the word meditation more than mantra, but in our culture, meditation is not a readily uh, recognized word. We don't do a whole lot of meditating. But mantras is a readily recognizable word, which is why I use it. So I hope I didn't offend you, and I certainly believe that we do use mantras in our mind all the time. And remember that our thoughts are prayers. God is always listening to our thoughts, whether we're communicating directly to him or not. He knows every thought, and even it says in the Bible very clearly that the hidden thoughts will be made public So, in the end. So we want to we recognize that every thought is very important, and if we're allowing nasty thoughts in our head, I mean nasty, not necessarily perverted sexual thoughts, but just bad, icky thoughts, thoughts that are not building us up, thoughts that are not glorifying God, we don't want to have those there. We want to replace those with good thoughts. My fourth mantra that I want to share with you today is, Everything in the light, so Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark. I'll say that again. Everything in the light, so Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark. I really love this one. I've really struggled my entire life with being dishonest. I can remember being a child and having, um, being caught stealing. I never really stole from stores, but I would steal from my parents. I would, you know, um, cheat and steal things, uh, do things in the dark, really, for the thrill of doing them or for a sense of, I don't know, maybe some control or something. And it was really a challenge that I had until my mid-30s. I started to get some kind of control on it, not control, but maybe I'd say healing from it. This particular phrase, this mantra has been so helpful to me everything in the light so Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark. And just like all of God's laws, it's so important for us to recognize that the reason that God makes rules is for our safety and protection. He doesn't say, don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal, because I don't want you to have any fun. He says not to do those things because he wants us to have a life of joy and peace and of good outcomes. And so therefore, Therefore, it's really important for us to see that he's on our side, that we are on his side if we want to be, but that he's always fighting for us. And he's fighting for our wholeness, our freedom, and our future. And so everything in the light, so Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark, has been a wonderful mantra for me to remind myself that there is nothing (laughs) that I would want to hide from God. 
first of all, because it's impossible, nowhere we can go to hide from him. He knows everything about us. He knows everything I've ever done, everything I will ever do, every thought I've ever thought, every thought I will ever think. He already knows it all. So there's really no use to try to hide from him. But we have this idea that we can or that we might want to. And when we go there, we experience pain, the pain of separation, the pain of our consequences, of our wrong choices. And so everything in the light, so Satan has nothing to use against me in the dark, is the safest way and the safest place to live. Love that one. Number five, don't leave. Follow Jesus. I am a natural-born leader. How about you? Uh, You might be the kind of person who always follows other people, and following Jesus might just be an easy transition for you. But since I was stubborn, since I came out of the womb, I think, and my parents said I was so stubborn that by the time I was two years old, they'd really quit spanking me. They, that was not doing any good anymore. Uh, they had to come up with different forms of discipline because they were so strong-willed, and I'm still very tenacious. But don't leave, follow Jesus. It's one of my favorite passages, too. Not passages, but mantras, because it is just so clear, and it's easy to understand for me. there's nothing ambiguous about it. I am not supposed to be leading God around where I want him to go. I'm supposed to be following Jesus where he wants me to go. There's a big difference in that. A lot of people make plans and then ask God to bless their plans. Well, that's fine if the idea came from God, but what's the better idea is to ask God his plan and then to say, where do I fit in? And so it's a different perspective. One is me being, you know, the in-charge person and God being the little God, the little G God, I say. The other one is God being the big G God, the capital G God, the God that he is, and me being the small M me. It's so important to have those things in the right. Don't lead, follow Jesus. I like even when Jesus was working with his disciples, at times he would have to clear this up for them. There was one day when um, Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples, and he got Peter, and Peter said, oh, you can't wash my feet. You know, that, that, that doesn't work for me because you're the master and I'm the servant. And Jesus said, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you can have no part of me. And then Peter took charge on the other side. Okay, so this, I love this story because it's so me. You know, on one side, he's like, no way, not doing it at all. And then as soon as Jesus said, if you don't, if you don't let me wash your feet, you won't have any part of me. Then Peter flips all the way to the other side, takes charge over here and says, oh, great, well, then wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, I'm going to be God here. I'm going to wash your feet. Okay, give me your feet. And we have to just remember that we aren't God. God's God, and we are just little us, and we need to do what he wants us to do the way he wants us to do it. So sometimes he changes up our ideas and has us do something different, and that's okay. That's what he wants done, and we can follow him that way. Don't leave. Follow Jesus. Another day was that day that they were on um, on the beach, I think it was, on the waterfront, and Jesus um, said that it was going to be soon his time to die. And Peter said, no, you shouldn't, you shouldn't die, that, that Peter was opposed to that plan. And Jesus really said to him in that moment, get behind me, Satan, which was really strong talk. I mean, that was, that was like the worst thing you could ever say to a person was call him, a, you know, the devil. And so Jesus was saying, I know you have different plans, Peter, but this is the plan, and I need you to get on board with the plan, not with your plan, but with the plan. And it isn't just a plan, a plan. And so for me to just remember, number five, don't lead, follow Jesus. That's always the best way to go about things, and it's going to make life the most enjoyable and, of course, the most productive also. Number six, 
This is my new one for this year. I'm so excited. Um, I've been saying this now for a couple weeks, and I just love it. First of all, it's really frustrating. They're all kind of frustrating when you first start to learn them, but I'm having so much fun learning this one. And it's just, it's just five words. This is for my good. This is for my good. And I have been saying this so much. Whenever I have like my um, emotions, this morning, actually this morning of this very day where we're doing the recording, this morning was so traumatic. It was very traumatic, not just for me, for a lot of people around me. We had just lots of things going wrong. For one thing, we're recording this in uh, the middle of winter, and it's like 40 below here today, 40 below zero Fahrenheit, not wind chill, but that's the actual temperature. And, of course, everything is breaking, everything from cars to um, our, our drive-up window at the restaurant was broken. and I mean, it was just one thing after another. And then, of course, like I told you at the beginning of this program, I'm, I'm filling in because our guest had to cancel. I mean, it was just one thing after another this morning. And I just kept saying, but this is for my good. This is for my good. And it's amazing how, how a mantra like that will change the whole perspective. And I haven't talked very much about miracles yet because um, well, because I haven't, but the miracle part of this whole thing is that when you have a set of circumstances that are tending toward a certain, everything's breaking, it's miserable, you're having a hard time hanging on to any kind of joy or hope, whatever, and you know where that's going to go. It's just going to go downhill from there. The expectation, the normal result, would be that you'd have a worse and worse day that things would just continue to spiral downward and out of control and that you'd have emotions that would match. But the reality is is that when you employ a mantra, when you employ a truth into your mind at that point and you begin to say it over and over again and believe it, say it and believe it to the best of your ability, what you end up with is you end up with miracles. You end up with things that are better than they could have been. You know, I didn't have any idea that I would have the opportunity to share these with you any time this year, let alone today. And today was so incredibly slammed busy that I didn't know when I could possibly prepare it. But about an hour and a half ago, there came a window of time I was able to just go in a quiet place, sit down, and write down all these notes. You know, it's amazing that this little miracle just happened right here, right before this program. Now, you might say, that's not a miracle. Well, I ask you, when everything is going wrong, everything is going badly, and it looks like it's going to continue to go badly, and then things turn around, what do you call it? Luck? Um, Providence? A happy surprise? I call it a miracle. I just give God every benefit of the doubt, and I hope that you always do too. I want to just share with you the barometer illustration under this, this is for my good mantra. There is a passage in Colossians 3.15, and in my Bible, in the Amplified Version, I have it highlighted, and then I have a star and an exclamation and a smiley point face next to it because it's so important to me, and I want to share it with you. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace from Christ rule or act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds, and be thankful. I'm going to just read it again. Let the peace from Christ rule or act as an umpire continually in your heart, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind, and be thankful. I call that my peace barometer. And remember how we were talking about going up for air through prayer like a dolphin? Okay, so 
when I feel my peace barometer moving, shaking, getting disrupted, that's when I know I have to go up for air through prayer. And that's how I know to pray is, is because I might have been going along, you know, focusing on the day, focusing on whatever is happening. But this morning, as things were going bad, and I started thinking, this is for my good, this is for my good, this is for my good, this is for my good. Thank you, God, this is for my good. This is going to be for my good. You're going to bring something good out of this, and he always does when we yield ourselves to him. Um, I'm going to just share with you the barometer reading is something that measures atmospheric pressure, but a peace reading is measuring your emotional stress, okay? The barometer, uh, barometric reading is used to forecast short-term changes in weather, whereas our peace readings are used to forecast short-term changes in self-absorption. And that's really an important point that usually where we feel pain is when we become self-absorbed, which is why all of these mantras work. They're taking our focus off of me and onto God, off of me and onto truth, off of me and onto what can be instead of what is. So important. Then the barometric reading, the last one is that it helps to identify surface troughs, high-pressure systems, and frontal boundaries, like peace readings that help us to identify surface wounds, deeply rooted hurts, and potentially devastating mental storms. It's so important for us to recognize that God uses everything in our life for good. This is back to that other mantra. They all interact, you guys. They all coordinate. They all work together. I encourage you to learn them all over a period of time. Learn them all. Um, That everything that comes into my life, Satan wants to use to destroy me. Everything that comes into my life, God wants to use for my good. And the barometric pressure in the world is such a picture or analogy of the peace pressure in our life and peace When we start losing our peace, then we know that we're off track with Jesus. And it's not like we can always have perfect peace. Um, Throughout every situation, what we would call peace, I would define peace a little differently than the Bible defines it because Jesus was always at peace and yet sometimes even sweat blood. So it doesn't look the way that we maybe expect it to look, but there is peace available to us at all times. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And then uh, I wanted to just share with you about when I was in was in a tornado, um, and I'm going to actually read this out of my book called Feeling Loved. This is off of page um, 50 from Feeling Loved. I, once, I was once caught in a tornado. The weather forecasters knew well in advance. The police had been making rounds to be sure everyone had taken cover, but I was not tuned in until it was pretty late in the game. By then, all those barometric readings were useless because the tornado was upon me. I have to say I never want to be that close to a tornado again. As the intensity of its force hit my car, I feared for my life. It was terrifying. Often we let emotional tornadoes sweep us away because we aren't tuned in to the warning system. Emotional wall clouds build up and we never think of inviting God into our thought processes. The great news is that Jesus loves to calm storms, even storms of our own making. It is also true that he sometimes lets the external storms rage on while calming the internal storm by restoring our peace. Either way, peace at the soul level is of tremendous value both to us and to everyone around us. So watch for barometric fluctuations and run your thoughts to Jesus. And that, again, is from the book Feeling Loved. Okay, so that one was... Uh, this is for my good. That's my new one that I'm doing right now. hope you join me in that. Number seven, praise through it. Oh, my goodness, you guys. 
it is so important that we learn to praise through everything that is happening to our life in our lives. And of course, the main the main scripture for this is from Philippians chapter four, which starts with verse four: "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again: Rejoice! Exclamation point. So important. And then it goes on and it talks about don't fret or be worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. And then, of course, we come back to this peace again. And then the peace of God that transcends all circumstances will control and come over your life and give you an understanding and a patience. And it tells us what to think about. Well, there was a day several years ago. Well, first of all, I'm going to back up just a little bit before I tell you this story. But um, my husband is quite a gardener, and I am not. I don't really like to garden. I grew up in the cities and, um, you know, in a big city, and that just wasn't part of my life, what I like to do. And I married this guy from more of a rural community and he loved to garden. And Dave has always loved to garden and we've had gardens throughout throughout our married life. Well, this one day, um, he was out, it was spring and he was out in the garden rototilling and he... I don't, have you ever seen anybody rototill? It's this, it's this unit um, that looks kind of like a lawnmower, except it's got blades on the front, and it ch- turns up the soil. And when you're going, it just about shakes you to death. It's kind of funny to watch people do it. It's hard work, but it's, it's very violent how <laughs> it shakes them up. Well, it was early spring, and he was out there rototilling, and he actually literally rototilled his wedding band off of his finger and into the garden without ever knowing it. He came in after he was done rototilling the whole big garden and he, he realized that he had lost his ring. Well, he got a metal detector and tried to find it, and he never did find the ring in the garden. It just He found cans and all kinds of nails and all kinds of other stuff, but no ring. Anyway, he loved the garden. And this one day, he was on his way out the door to work, and it was when I was homeschooling kids, and so he said on his way out the work door, he said, Marty, if you have time today, would you pick the beans? And I did, you know, the nice wife, yeah, sure, okay, bye-bye, have a good day. As soon as we left, I'm like, pick the beans. I hate beans. What do you, why do you plant beans anyway? It's so stupid. We just buy them in the grocery store. Anyway, bad attitude girl. And I went on through the day thinking it was a pretty busy day. Probably wouldn't have time to pick the beans anyway. But middle afternoon, there came the perfect opportunity for me to go out and pick beans. So I grabbed my bucket and my little bad attitude and I walked out of the garden, squatted down and started picking beans. And I mean, I had a bad attitude. I was out there and I was picking beans and I was like, you know, why does he have to garden anyway? I don't even like him. <laughs> and I just sure, certainly don't like beans. Well, anyway, I was out there picking beans and being just banking, and all of a sudden God spoke to me. Now, he didn't speak in an audible voice, and the clouds didn't part, and I didn't see angels or anything like that. But there was this thought so clearly in my mind that was so radically different from the thoughts I was thinking that I just knew it was God. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. I stopped dead still. And what I heard was these words. Is there nothing for which you can be thankful? And I thought, okay, there must be something. (laughs) And for the first time, I looked around me and I said, it's a beautiful day. Oh, my goodness. It's a really beautiful day. And I realized that the sun was shining, the sky was blue, the birds were singing. It was the perfect temperature. And I said, thank you. It's a really beautiful day. And then I said, and the mosquitoes haven't found me. And in northern Minnesota, that's a really big deal. And I said, thank you. No mosquitoes. And then I went on and I said, and thank you that I have the health to be here. I mean, I I had a friend right then who had a backache and wouldn't have been able to do that. And I was able to just go swat my garden and pick, pick beans. 
I said, thank you for the body and the health to be able to do this. And I went on and finally I said, thank you for Dave. And I don't like his beans or anything, but thank you for him because I really do love him. Now, all that time, I did not know what was coming down the row at me, but God did. And God knew that in order for me to receive it properly, I needed to be in the right frame of mind, which was a, a frame of mind of praise, of thanksgiving, of celebrating who God was and what he had given me. So I went down the row with a totally different attitude now, picking beans, happily picking beans, picking beans, looking, thinking, won't be too long and I'll be done picking beans for today. And I came across a bean plant, and on one of the beans was hanging Dave's wedding ring, the one that he had lost a few years before when he rode to till the garden. It was hanging there. It had grown up and was hanging on a bean. And it was just a few days before our 10th anniversary, and I had already prayed because I didn't know what I could give him because we were kind of short of money that year. And I thought it's a big, important anniversary, but I don't know what to give him, and I can't spend any money. And here God gave me his wedding band back on a bean. I was obedient to go out in that garden and even with a bad attitude begin to pick the beans that I didn't want to pick. God helped me change my attitude and then he gave me the gift that I needed most right then, which was a gift to give back to Dave. So I went in, I washed it up, I put it in a ring box and I gave it to him at our anniversary dinner and it was awesome. And God's awesome and he needs us to be thankful all the time. He wants us very much to live for him and love him and receive from him all that is good. And it's hard to do that when we have a bad, ungrateful attitude. We're going to come right back and talk about the last four of my favorite mantras. Successfully maximizing the gifts God has given us is the best gift that we can give back to God. Are you 100% clear about why you're here, about how God defines success for you personally? Are you on track with God's plan for your life? The best life on planet Earth followed by the best possible eternity for you? If not, check out the Success Principles Intensive Training course over at Marnie.com. It's a six-hour online program that will change how you define and do your life from today forward. It's a biblical based approach to goal setting and achievement. So check it out under the training tab at Marnie.com. Well, hi and welcome back. This is Marnie. I'm having fun sharing with you my 12 top uh, miracle producing mantras. And I just realized some of that commercial was going on. We were talking, the commercial was talking about the success principles training. And that page right now at the newmarnie.com is not done. <laughs> so I'm like, if you go over there and look for that right now, you'll find a page that's not done. It just has kind of random, you know, bogus words on the sides and everything, but we're, we're getting that. The site just launched and the new Marnie.com just launched right now the week before this uh, radio show. And so we've been focusing mostly on getting the bugs worked out of the women's speakers site and that one's ready to excited about this gift that God's given us. And there's a long time in coming, a couple years in coming, but excited to have this new platform and excited to share with you and everybody else. Okay, number eight. Actually, we have five left to go. I said before break we had four, but we have five left to go. Uh, number eight is uh, live for an audience of one. And I love Chris Tomlin's quote, performing for acceptance is no way to live. And I, I really, every night when I get into bed, I really just check in with God a minute before I go to sleep and I just ask him, is it, how is it with us today? 
And that's usually what I say, how is it with us today? And what I'm looking for every night is I'm really hoping to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, go to sleep. Because <laughs> I'm usually tired when I get to bed. And uh, sometimes I do hear that. A lot of times I do. And other nights it's like, well, we do have a few things we need to talk about before you go to sleep. But our goal is to perform for an audience of one. And, and whatever everybody else thinks about us, no matter who sees us or who has a judgment about us during the day, if we're okay with God about that thing, that's really the only thing that should matter. And what's amazing is that so often when we're okay with God, we're also, uh, like Jesus uh, grew in favor with God and men. And, of course, later men killed him. It wasn't like every day of his life he was in great favor with everybody. That wasn't the case, and that won't be the case in our lives either. So we need to get really, really clear about being in good favor with God so performing and living for an audience of one. I love that. And that kind of feeds into number nine, which is L-I-V-E, the acronym L-I-V-E, live in view of eternity. Live in view of eternity. I love the book that, um, now I can't remember the title of it, but it was, um, or the author, oh, that's so helpful to you. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's a book by um, the guy that wrote Prayer J. Best, and so you can figure out backwards that, and it's about living in light of eternity. It might be even uh, living in light of eternity. I think that might be it. Um, anyway, sorry about that. I didn't jot that down before we started. And that that book that he has on the topic of eternal rewards was really helpful to me because it did make it very clear to me that every last thing that I do on earth has the potential of having an eternal reward, whether it's changing a baby's diaper or cleaning up dog poop in the backyard or standing in front of a large audience giving a speech or sharing this information with you. Whatever it is that I'm doing, if I'm doing it in, through, and for Jesus Christ, it has the potential to have eternal reward, which is really an incredible thought. And God is, God is just looking for partners. That's what he's really looking for all the time. I like to talk about life in in the analogy of a story that I have from when I was a teenager and I was babysitting my past, my youth pastor's kids who were two and four years time, I was taking aviation science in school and I had access to an airport. This would never happen now, but at the time I could just take them in and we were in a small airport and we went from plane to plane and they kind of crawled in and out of the cockpits and kind of played and pretended that they were a pilot and, you know, nobody ever took off that day. There was no flights, but they felt like they were, you know, the real deal, because they were in planes and, you know, they would pretend and pull on the levers and like that. Well, anything that I do that is not being done in and through for Christ is just like playing airport, like those little boys were. You're going through all the motions. It feels pretty good. seems like it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it seems pretty real. But the reality is that if you wanted to have an eternal reward, you need to do it in, through, and for Jesus Christ. And that's the distinguishing difference. When Moses was in the wilderness and he wanted, you know, he wanted to go up to Canaan, but God didn't want to go with. He wanted to take the children of Israel into the promised land, but God didn't want to go with. And he said, then I'm not going to go because unless you go with me, there's no reason to go. And that should be our mantra all the time. Live, live in view of eternity unless born through me uh, then I don't want to do it. And even though it seems like it would be an awesome thing to do, if it's not for him and through him and to him, there's no eternal reward. And then it's just like playing airplane. <laughs> Why would we want to do that our whole life? 
Um, power source, I want to read you something off of page 36 of Feeling Loved. And Feeling Loved is really the book about how I communicate with God. And it, I wrote it because so many people couldn't understand how to really have a great, you know, like really personal daily interactive relationship. I've got a lot of people pray to God but don't know how to connect with him. And so that's why I wrote the book Feeling Loved. But I just have this power source thing in here, um, your own power versus God's power. So your own power. A woman living the best she can without God can achieve great things in her allotted days on earth. But all of them will fade over time and none will provide eternal rewards. Whereas when we're living with God's power, a woman living through God's power has the ability to do things that will have an effect for eternity while bringing joy to her and everyone around her during the short span of her earthly life. So living in light of eternity or live live in view of eternity is one of the mantras that I hope that you'll adopt all the time and you'll keep on questioning your actions, your motivations, your thoughts, and your words say, is this in tune for Christ? And if it's not, change it up. Do it the other way. Okay, number 10, harmonize, don't monopolize. <laughs> Again, for me, this is a little bit hard because I tend to be a very much of a natural leader. And so it's sometimes easy for me to just monopolize and not to harmonize. So I just think of, you know, there's a, there's a tune that has been set. There's a, there's a, uh, they've, they've given the pitch, you know, in the organs that they've given the pitch, and now it's my job not to take over and go whichever direction I wanted to go, but to match up with the pitch that's been given. Remember, God is the one that's setting the pitch. And I just want to always um, be playing in his orchestra, within his rules, doing it his way for his glory and honor. And there are 10, 10 ways that I stay in tune every day. Maybe I don't do all of these every day, but these are the 10 different kind of types of connections that I make with God every day through the day. So one of them is even before I open my eyes, I just start talking to God. I usually just begin with the Lord's Prayer. And by the time I'm getting out of bed, I'm usually part the way through the Lord's Prayer. And I, I usually personalize it. I usually start it with, Good morning, Daddy, instead of Our Father, which aren't in heaven. You know, I usually start it with, Good morning, Daddy. And then the next line oftentimes is, I am so glad that you're in heaven and not stuck down here on earth with me because you've got great perspective, great power, and a great plan for my day. And I just keep going through the Lord's Prayer like that, personalizing it. I get up and I'm still talking to God, going through the Lord's Prayer line by line. And then uh, typically I do something different in the middle here. Usually I'll go uh, swim laps with my husband or I go run on an elliptical most mornings um, when we don't swim. And usually during that time I'm interacting with God too. And then as I shower and dress, I put on the spiritual armor. And I actually go through, it's found in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 6, and I put it on every day. I would just as soon go out naked out of my bathroom that I would without my spiritual armor on. It's really the clothes that I wear spiritually, and I encourage you, if you don't put that on every day, you should start this. That's why the analogy is there. And then also whenever I use the restroom throughout the day, I just spend those communicating with God. It's like this built-in little break. And I used to always grab a magazine and look at that, but I found that if I will just focus on Jesus in those two minutes, I come, I come out refreshed in every way. So it's going to be PMI there, but that's just the truth of it. And then as I eat, I just take each bite with gratitude. Sometimes I get distracted by conversations or different things, but I try to just enjoy every bite eating with God, and that's another process that's over at Marnie.com. 
as I work. I pause frequently to look up to smile and to breathe a prayer. And Ashley, if you were to look into my office, I sometimes will have one arm up in the air just recognizing that God is with me, that he's taking care of me. I don't do that in public usually, but if, if I'm in the privacy of my office, I will oftentimes just communicate with him even with a bodily um, gesture like raising an arm or raising a hand or raising my eyes. As I proceed through the day, I usually have a verse in my pocket, which I often review. And either I have a verse or a mantra or both, and oftentimes I will also have um, goals that God's put in my heart, either for the day or the week of the year or my life. Uh, I, I really believe that if you don't put something into your mind, something else will go there. And so I'm very intentional about what gets in my head. I don't spend a lot of time allowing frivolous thoughts. I just mostly try to focus my thoughts. I do, I do engage in entertainment sometimes, but not too often, and certainly when it's a functional like work type of the day, I do fill my thoughts with things that are productive. Then as I experience any strong emotion, I run that to Jesus, back to the peace barometer, especially if I feel my peace being shaken. Boy, I know that that's time to run to Jesus right then. And then also, if I greet a friend or an employee or someone I'm talking to even before I came online here with you and even right now in my heart, I am praying for you. And as I greet someone, I will pray for them. And you're like, what what do you pray? I mean, you're talking to them. What do you pray? It's an attitude of prayer, an atmosphere where there is an open communication line. It's kind of like my husband and I went to a party the other night, and we were across the room from each other. And I was with a different group of people than he was at the moment, but we caught each other's eye, and there was a momentary communication right there. Do you know how that goes? Prayer can be too. You don't have to always say this big formal, you know, 10-sentence prayer in order for God to hear you. Sometimes you can just look in his direction and he totally gets your heart. You know, that communication that looks with Dave was just, I love you, you're mine. You know, we are we are one. And with God, that's sometimes too, when I'm talking with you right now, when I said I was praying for you as I'm talking to you, that's just as simple as thinking, God, I love these people that I'm talking to. I can't even see them, but I, I love them and I know that you love them. Just that sense and that heart attitude toward you and toward the others that I meet through the day. And then also, as I see 20 minutes or even two hours or whatever of potential quiet time coming my way, I plan to sneak away for a mini retreat with God. And it's not like I have to do that, like nobody's keeping score. I'm not doing it to get in good with God. Um, He already loved me. Jesus already died for me. You can't get in any better with God than that. But the reality is that when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. And that's how I feel in my life. And those are the ways that I continue to harmonize with God instead of monopolize the conversation with God and with others. And I hope that you'll remember that one too. Harmonize, don't monopolize. Number 11. We are to number 11. Only two left. Junk. God, give God all your junk. I love this one. First of all, I love it because most people in my life, including those who are very closest to me really can't handle much of my junk. It's not like I keep it a secret from them that I have junk and I don't um, hide things. You know, we talked earlier about everything in the light so Satan has nothing to do against you in the dark. I'm not talking about being deceptive here. What I'm talking about is, for example, for me, at the end of this website project, uh, it became very consuming, uh, almost like the transition of a labor um, where this was really, really intense at the end. And it had to be that way in order for it to happen. And if you've ever started a business or had any other intense, even had a baby, had any other intense situation, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about, that sometimes things are very tense. Well, this became very intense for me, and I had to get through several weeks. My family only wanted to hear about it 
every so often, I mean, I couldn't just talk about it all day long, every day long, like I would have maybe been inclined to do. But I could talk about it all day long, every day to somebody because God would always listen to me. And that's what I want to encourage you to do is that give God your junk. When you've got anxieties, when you've got fears, when you've got a season that's extremely intense and all you want to do is talk about it all the time, talk about it all the time to God. Don't talk about it to other people all the time. They they can't handle it. And if you have other junk that's, that's coming up in your life, and I don't mean never talk to people about it, but I mean you don't want to just keep on burying the people around you, burying the people you love in your junk. That's what God is for. He loves us to take his, our junk to him. So take all your junk to Jesus. The other thing is I want to just encourage you that mostly it's all junk. <laughs> so from God's perspective, we really aren't bringing him anything that he needs. It's like a, like little Johnny, you know, I use the analogy of little four-year-old Johnny and dad gets him up on the Saturday morning and he says, do you want to build a shed today? And Johnny's like, sure. And he gets on his little toy tool belt and, you know, all day long he is underfoot. He is making trouble. He's playing more than he's working. He's knocking over cans of nails and, you know, more trouble than he's worth for sure. But at the end of the day, daddy says, come here. And he steps back a little ways and he puts his hands on his hips and he looks down and little Johnny's got his hands on his hips because dad has got his hands on his. And so, of course, little Johnny's just following that and they look at the shed and dad looks down and says, thanks, buddy. You and I, we built that shed today and little Johnny's so proud of that shed that he built with his dad, you know. And then dad says, I'll go to DQ and get ice cream. You know, he's even going to give him a reward for being all that troubled. Now, why? Is it because Johnny lended so much help to the project? No, no, no. It's because of the relationship that Dad had with little Johnny as they worked side by side. And, you know, Dad had to fix everything little Johnny messed up. That's the same relationship God has with us. It's all junk girls. We, we, um, we should not ever believe that we're bringing God something so beautiful that he can't live without it and he should be grateful. No, no, no. We should be grateful that he receives our junk and it's all junk. I just think of, you know, my best piece of art, and I'm not an artist at all, but maybe a great artist. You know, Thomas Kincaid is one of my favorite artists and uh, just such a gift to the world. Um, but his greatest pictures are nothing compared to a real sunset that God makes. In, in Max Cato's, one of his books, he tells the story of God sending a delegation of angels to earth, and he actually gave earth notice so that we could get ready to receive them. And what they did is they got, you know, the, the best choirs in the world and the best, you know, the best marching bands and all that, and, and the spaceship lands with the angels. Of course, it was all fictional, but the spaceship lands with the angels, and the angels, open, the door of it opens, and they, they look at each other, and they say, oh, what's a terrible sound? <laughs> because compared to angelic, music ours is nothing it's just hideous it's awful and we have to just remember that it's all junk god you might say oh mine is too nasty to give to him girls it's all junk he wants it all and he's amazing that way he always wants me to run my junk to him first and he receives it like it's a gift now i don't mean to go out and create junk just so you can run it to him don't worry you've got enough without creating anymore so just run in the junk that you have and he will love to receive that from your hand and then finally, saying yes. And uh, this is one that everybody should learn. This is, again, in the um, time management training program at Marnie.com. But everybody should learn this. When I say yes to something, I have in that moment said no to something else. And when I say no to something, I have by nature said yes to something else. So saying yes is saying no. That's the mantra. Saying yes is saying no. So 
what I want you to remember is that any time that you say yes to one thing, the time, the resources, the energy, the attention, the physical presence, whatever it is that that thing costs you that you said yes to, is going to take those things away from something else that you could have said yes to if you had said no to that other thing. You are never truly saying no to anybody without saying yes to something else. You are never truly saying yes to anybody without saying no to someone else. So this helped me a lot to be able to say no to the things that were not the best things, to say no to the things that um, maybe I felt pressured to say yes to in the moment, but I knew that they weren't the right choice for me. And so I just encourage you also to step back and to say yes to the things that you should be saying yes to, to say no to the things you should be saying no to, and to let God help you make those decisions as you go along. Okay. Well, I'm going to close with... um, I'm going to close with the thought that it's not a mantra, but it's a reality that God is like a helicopter pilot in our lives, like the sky cam over a busy traffic jam. And I like the, I like the similarities that he has to that. And one of the reasons that I always like to talk to him about everything is because he's got this great perspective. So just like a helicopter or a radio station exists in your city, probably if you're in a major metro for sure, God exists. And just like the pilot is in airspace, God is outside of time and space. He can see everything. And just like the pilot has a great vantage point, God has the best ahead of you before you do. And God foresees and foreknows everything for all time. The pilot in a helicopter is commissioned to help commuters avoid unnecessary delays. And God is willing and ready to help you avoid any unnecessary pain. The radio station makes it incredibly easy for us to access the Sky Pilot warning. And and God has made it incredibly easy for us to hear his voice. Finally, the station and pilot are committed to saving us time and reducing our stress. And God loves us more than we love ourselves and is eager to help us. I'm sorry, I think something was going wrong with my phone. I'm I'm wondering if you guys can hear me, so I hope you can hear I hope you can hear me. I heard a beep and then it kind of felt like it went away, so I hope I'm still live here. I just wanted to encourage you to give God a second thought. Um, your first thought will usually be a feeling. And then your second thought is up to you. And the prayer that I really like to pray is God, please help me understand this from your perspective. God, please help me understand this. That will always be the second thought that you have too. The first thought being the emotion, the second thought asking God to help you understand whatever's going on in your life from, from his perspective. I encourage you to embrace as many of these mantras as you can and to watch for mantras in your own life. What you'll find is that there will be a phrase or a thing that will keep coming up. You'll think it once or you'll hear it once and then it will keep coming up. Follow that, follow that lead and write that down and use that that is something that is true, that is based on the Bible, that is based on truth, but then memorize it and put it up around your house and embrace it as a new mantra. And you can even send it to me because I'd be curious to know what your mantras are. I thank you so much for your friendship, for your love through the years. I thank you for being here today. And I encourage you to go over and visit Marnie.com and connect with me further at that site. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, a great week, and a wonderful new year. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.